Anyway, good evening. Um, as Ian said, I'm Carolyn Carr. I'm the deputy director and chief curator here at the Portrait Gallery. And I was indeed one of the judges uh, for this portrait competition. And what I'd like to do tonight is to <clears throat> divide my remarks into two sections. Uh, first, to tell you a little about the jurying process, if you would like to know about that, and then come and talk with you about the portrait. Um, the Outwin Buchiever portrait competition is a relatively new initiative of the National Portrait Gallery. We had our first competition when we reopened the building after its renovation in 2006, and this is the second one. Uh, it is endowed by a former docent here at the Portrait Gallery, a woman who gave tours of the exhibitions and permanent collection for about 20 years, loved the Portrait Gallery, and also loved young artists. And she wanted to be able to use this museum, which has a national reputation, to show the work of talented individuals who might not have a national reputation. So one of the rules of the portrait competition is that it is open to anyone who is living in the United States. The second rule, if you want to call it that, is that the artist must have had direct contact with the subject. Um, one of our favorite uh, lines was during the first competition, somebody called up and said, could they submit a portrait of the Pope? And the assistant who answered the phone said, do you know the Pope? And obviously the answer was no, that the individual was working from a photograph. So that we, you have to have a one-on-one -on -one contact. You will notice something about our exhibitions that is very different from our permanent collection in the sense that in our permanent collection, the individual is usually a well-known person, whereas here you will find that family members, friends, are often the models for um, the artist, and that's fun. And I think people like coming to this, like coming to portraiture now because they see very much people like themselves that they can identify with. The portrait competition, um, both the first and the second one, has seven jurors. And it consists of three people on the staff, the director of the portrait gallery, myself as chief curator, and then the curator of the exhibition. And then we invite uh, four outside individuals to come um, and share their vision and their wisdom. And this year we had a wonderful team. It consisted of um, uh, Peter Schechtel, who is the art critic for the New Yorker magazine, uh, Brian O'Doherty, who is both an artist and a critic himself, um, then Wanda Korn, a former professor of American art at Stanford University, and then um, Carrie James Marshall, uh, an artist who lives in Chicago. In fact, we had shown his work uh, here in one of our Portraiture Now 
uh, series. So we had really a distinguished group of people. We got, um, for both the first exhibition and the second, nearly 4,000 entries. Um, and so the first exhibition, we only focused on painting and sculpture. The second exhibition, we opened the competition to all media, uh, which was fun because you'll see video here as well as painting, sculpture, photography. Uh, we had no idea what, how that would change the character of the judging or the character of the final exhibition. Perhaps the first thing that happens, uh, people submit their images electronically. And we have the curatorial staff take those 4,000 entries and reduce that number to approximately 500. And if you're a curator and you look at work, you can say yes, no, or maybe. And something either gets to the next round it's in the maybe we go back and look at it. But anyway, their job, the staff job, is to reduce the number to 500. And it's the 500 that the jury of seven looks at. And we, they come twice. The first time they come to jury the show, they see the images electronically. And what happens there, and it was fascinating to me, is you get a wide variety of opinion. You would think that these professionals in the field would have, would all come together and say yes, no, or maybe all alike. But there are some people who would say, oh, outstanding. And somebody else on the other side says, oh, it's the worst portrait I've ever seen. It's fascinated me, the perspective of the individual juror of which I was one and had an opinion as well. And so there's usually a consensus and it's usually a majority. And usually what we found was that it was often a five and two vote. So we then take these 500 and bring that number down to approximately 100, 110 actual objects. And we bring those objects to Washington. Some of them are from Hawaii. And it turns out that by coincidence, because none of the jurors know the names or where these individuals are from, and for the most part, we don't recognize the work because these are people who live in Kansas, who live in Iowa, etc. The whole point of the show. And so um, we look, then bring things in. And... Any of you who has ever been an artist, any of you who has ever taken an art history class and seen something on a screen and then gone to the museum and seen the actual objects, things get transformed between that electric image and the actual objects. Some things get better, some things you're less interested in. So the jurors come back for a second day. We go to a warehouse out in Maryland and we look at the actual objects and we decide on a show of approximately 50 works. This is a big space, but the way it's constructed, it doesn't hold that many individual paintings if we want to give the object the space it deserves. So we then get our 
exhibition down to 50 plus or minus, and then we have to decide on the prize winners. And usually what happens is we're each given a, like a little sticky, and we go around and we say, who, not who gets first place, but who do you see as a prize winner for either the four honorable mentions or the first, second, and third place? And it really sorts itself out so that the first place winner gets the most votes and then second and then the honorable mentions. So it's an interesting process of elimination. So we've really taken it from 4,000 down to 50. The first time we did this show, I was very concerned because what you see here is a very heterogeneous approach to portraiture. But you know what? This architecture in this building is fabulous for that kind of look because there are very few walls where we have to say, let's bring together three or four images that are really compatible. Look how this is framed. Look how each of those is framed on a wall. You get this sort of showcase the individual piece. And I think it pulls together a very beautiful show. So that's kind of the background of the judging. Now, the reason when I was asked to give one of these face-to-face -face talks, I picked out Yolanda's portrait is because from the minute I saw it on both the screen and then in person, I loved this photograph. And so I was very, um, how shall I say it, determined is not quite, but enthusiastic, and I wanted to share my enthusiasm. The good news is I didn't really have to do a major job of converting people to my point of view because I think everybody else saw that it was a terrific photograph. And when I saw it, I didn't really have before me the text that you have here that explains what's going on. So when I was looking at it, I was looking at it from a purely visual point of view. And I loved the geometry, the, the strong verticals, the, the play of space here, the way the doors and the windows echo each other. Um, I loved the color of the work because it's really a kind of study in monochromes, different shades of brown, the black, the white, the gray of the radiator, all that resonated with me. And then when I was talking to Yolanda the other day to make sure that I didn't uh, miss something that she might want to tell me, she said she was very, what she liked about the photograph was the chiaroscuro in it, which is a term that art historians use, meaning the play of light and shade. And again, the way the light comes here and hits things, the subtle reflections that you get, you get this motion really throughout the photograph from the play of light and shade. 
And then I asked myself, when I first saw it, what was going on here? What do you think was, what, when you first saw it, if you haven't read the label? Yes. Well, this is, this is exactly, I couldn't tell whether they were coming or going. There is always, and then I had her send me some other photographs of hers, and what I realized is this element of ambiguity is always sort of present. There is this strong narrative element in this photograph, which has this strong formal aspect to it as well, but you're not quite sure, are they coming or are they going? Is this a couple that is emotionally distant because they are in two rooms? Or is the two people who are just fatigued, as one is on the day that you're moving in because you've been moving all these boxes and your life is in transition, and it's a major psychological moment. But there's no question that this is a powerful psychological piece. So I found that that was very interesting. I like the modern kitchen, the old-fashioned radiators, the wonderful molding around the door, the clearly the heavy 19th century or turn of the century doors. It just had all the elements and then the two people. And she said it was purely coincidental that they came dressed as they were in essentially what is, again, a more or less monochromatic uh, costume so that you weren't all of a sudden seeing a spot of red or intense green um, in the photograph uh, as well. Um, I like the way she cropped it with those, those chandelier kind of hanging down, which is so sort of in antithesis to the kind of more modern cabinets in here. I just liked, as I explored it, I just liked every element. So I asked Yolanda a little about herself. And she said she grew up in Madrid. She uh, went to Germany as a 17-year-old to um, go to college. And there she studied mathematics. And when she left Germany, she went to Venezuela and worked for an insurance company. And then, obviously, she experienced some life-changing event. She came to the United States in about 2001. And she decided that she wanted to be a photographer. She went to the Rhode Island School of Design uh, and she now teaches at uh, the University of Connecticut, which clearly has a branch in New Haven. And she lives in Brooklyn, and she commutes back and forth. And um, teaching three days a week. Um, so I said, what led you to photography? And she said, well, I grew up being surrounded by visual images. My father was a filmmaker in Spain. And I think that tells you 
a lot about her photography because there is this sense almost of a film still that something else is about to transpire um, in the work. So um, that's what I have to say. I'd be perfectly, what, do you, what else are your comments about the piece? Right. I like, I like in the back room. The floor light, mm -hmm. the sunlight coming in and mm -hmm. his reflection. And they're like furniture. Right. The implication of another window that's back there that's, that's uh, lighting him, etc. Any other comments? Anything else you'd like to ask me? Um, we got a lot, after the first one, we looked back and we got a lot of requests of why you weren't, we weren't including photographs. And then we decided, well, there are drawings, there's video, new media art. And so we decided that we would take the chance and open it up and open it up to all media. And this is very interesting to me in terms of the photography because after all, anybody can take your snapshot and send it in and we thought, would we be deluged? And the truth of the matter was, if you, especially if you look around at the photographs, they're incredibly thoughtfully done. And I would say that it was serious photographers who submitted their work. And of course, the prize winner for this exhibition um, is a photographer, is a photograph. Um, the London National Portrait Gallery, which runs a portrait competition, um, separates out its painting and sculpture competition from its photography competition and does too. I also wondered, and I was pleasantly surprised what it would be like to mix the media. Although if you notice in our um, installations of permanent collection, we again mix the media. And I think it's, I uh, hope you agree, <clears throat> a happy combination. I was sort of surprised at how, um, you know, my, I, I'm a painter. And mm -hmm. I, was, I, I was sort of expecting to be moved mostly by paintings. And my favorite works throughout exhibit are all photographs. <coughs> I think there's something, you know, when, when a photographer knows what they're doing and can capture the essence of someone uh, without the aid of embellishment from strokes or all those choices you can make as a painter. I mean, you really kind of have to know what you're doing to, to, catch, to, to catch that. And um, it's, it's almost, it just becomes more powerful for me. That gaze, you can't reproduce that even if you're an excellent painter. You know, it's life that you're capturing, and if you do it well, there's no substitute for it. Right, it's clear that in this photograph she's thought it through. 
you know, uh, what she's looking for, but also that sort of chance and accidental in terms of what goes on. And as she said, it was all sort of fortuitous that there was this empty space, the boxes hadn't been undone. Um, now that you know what situation she was portraying and you discussed it with her, what could she, what did she tell you about? Well, if you read, if you, if you, no, 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 they're good friends of hers. And uh, it came about because this woman had said she was moving, and she then said, why are you moving? And she said, well, we're separating. And, um, and she talks about it here. And she sort of wanted to capture that moment. And actually knowing the story, I can see where she was going with it. And I can see that, oh, yes, it's about parting, not just merely fatigue for moving in. But I still, that, I still um, feel that sense of ambiguity, what going on. The narrative itself and the knowledge of what it's about is less important to me than everything that's going on in the image. I don't need the story to like the photograph as much as I did in the beginning, it's interesting to know. It directs you, but um, it's all the visual elements and the psychological that. Yes. Right, and they were willing, and I think that you know once you know that there's a sort of. All I could think of was the French word tristesse, sadness, about, and I think that's true of people when they know that a relationship that they had so much hope for has, for whatever reason, disintegrated. And I think it's so okay, you know that. She's caught that intangible mm -hmm. essence. Did she take more than one picture and then choose? I don't know. I forgot to ask her that question. It, to me, this picture was so perfect that I just thought, oh, it happened. And it, clearly, she uses a view camera. Um, so there is that sense of the still life aspect to the setup uh, here. And one of the reasons that she clearly can blow it up quite so large, she likes to do things that have this very architectural aspect to them. Thank you all very much for coming this evening. Um, you've attended the last face-to-face -face of 2009. We'll be back in January with um, Echoes of Elvis. And thank you very much, Carolyn, for helping us see. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for coming. It's always fun to talk to people who are interested.